This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hi, everyone. It's Amanda, and welcome to Vocal Perspective. Today, we are sitting down with Lisa McNulty. She is the director of Ember Vocals, and she is a recent graduate of Peabody. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Awesome. Rachel and I just got to see you perform and compete at Harmony Sweepstakes, where your group won Mid-Atlantic. And uh, I was the producer and Rachel was the judge. So we got to... Let's be clear. I wasn't the only judge. (laughs) I wasn't the only judge. There were other people. (laughs) The last time I sat down for an interview with Rachel, I didn't know that she was a judge for the competition I was about to sing in. So this is good. This is a nice change of pace. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's fine. It really worked out. You know, we like the surprise tactics here. But anyway, Lisa, usually we start with uh, giving everybody a little bit of a background on how you got into acapella. Why did you choose this crazy path? Well, I always sang. I was very musical throughout my childhood. And in high school, I, I did the works, you know, choir, advanced theater, all sorts of things. And I joined Colburn School of Music for my prep in my junior year of high school. And I had a wonderful teacher who thought I could major in classical voice. It was the first time I'd really ever been told that. And I was really excited about the prospect. And I loved all kinds of music. And I wasn't totally set on making my whole career on classical music. But I I wanted a place where I could experiment with things and ended up falling in love with Baltimore and falling in love with my teacher, which I ended up having too, Denise Graves, and then my other teacher, Peggy Baruti, who's phenomenal. And I auditioned for acapella groups my freshman year. I was so excited because I'd, I'd seen one acapella group really before in my my high school, and that was out of the blue, came to my high school and worked with my choir. And two of the guys stayed in my house. And, you know, at the time, I really ha- was having a terrible time in high school, if I'm going to be totally honest. And those guys were so nice to me and mm-hmm. let me sing with them. <laughs> kind people exist, and they <laughs> exist in acapella. Mm-hmm. So I will join the group no matter what. Right. And I found a wonderful group called the Johns Hopkins University Vocal Chords. And they just gave me so much confidence to try new things. And I arranged for them and eventually became their music director. And then I got really into it. And (laughs) I started going to arranging seminars with the vocal company and made so many connections there. I started going to festivals. I taught at Boss and SoJam and fell in love with the community and developed such a camaraderie with the other young professionals of my age in the community, especially. And eventually, I really wanted to start my own professional group. I wanted to pursue acapella at the level I was doing my studies. And I approached my best friends in the vocal cords. And I said, you know, I love singing with you. Would you sing with me outside of this for money? <laughs> um, build something out of this. And they immediately said yes. And eventually, and then I, I found Michael, I met Michael through an arranging program with the vocal company. And that just sort of fell into place when he was looking for a professional group. But we should add I think that Michael Wingate is a like a fantastic, as you refer to him, like just a fantastic beatboxer and competes nationally and does also an international even. He's a superhero. He's incredible. I've never met anybody who practices more than that person. He, <laughs> you know, and I have been in so many long 
long car rides with Michael Wingate. And I know he, and no matter what's playing on the radio, whether or not I put it on, he'd never heard it before. By the end of the song, he's beatboxing along with it, experimenting with all of the sounds he's hearing. He's really, and what he's doing with his beatboxing and teaching is also incredible. I, I really, I really love that. So it, he's, he's just the best to work with and has been the best ad. But sorry, I, I rambled on for, for a while there. But that's in general how I got my start in vocal music. That's amazing. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what your goals are with Ember and, and what you're hoping to achieve with the group in the upcoming future. Ember has always been founded on the idea and the goal that we want to be a full-time professional group and we want to put out music that is respected and listened to by an audience not just in the acapella community and that's why we really tried our darndest to put out original music and to perform original music but that's that's what we've always wanted to do and we've we're slowly working our way up there, but it's been a, a grind for the last few years. And it's been a wonderful thing for us to be able to work with your best friends is a total gift is a complete, complete gift. So you went to Peabody, which is a conservatory and your focus there was in classical voice. Yeah. Yes. How has that contributed to what I see as success in contemporary acapella for you? Thank you. You know, it informs every musical decision I make. All of my arranging capabilities come from that. You know, I, I hear the song and I hear the same harmonies I would hear in, in a classical song. And I, I adore classical music. And it breaks my heart a little bit that I don't get to do it as much. Because there's such a satisfying feeling from doing a piece of art that so many have done before you and so flawlessly and trying to put your own interpretation on something that you know is just gorgeous. But there's also so much power in, in making your own. And my teachers were so gracious with me for the four years I had. Most of the time when you are in a classical voice program, you're not supposed to do all of the things okay. I was doing. And, you know, I, I picked Peabody in part because I thought that they would be open to some of the things I wanted to try. And I was right. But it was really only by the grace of my teachers that I was allowed to, to do those types of things. But, you know, the more I sang in acapella and the more I sang classically, the better both got. Right. Neither really suffered. And I've heard of singers having one area of their voice suffer from that. But for me, it only improved my musicality in both areas. And I still sing classically and I still love it. But I know that it's not going to be the full path for me and my teachers have just been so wonderful about that and supporting my career in general, because I think in this day and time, versatile musicians are successful musicians. I've always believed that and my teachers really, really supported that belief too. So Ember has been participating in the So Far Sounds. They Could you talk a little bit about what that is and how it's benefited Ember specifically? Absolutely. So, so far, if you don't know, is an incredible organization that puts together uh, small concerts all across the whole country. And they have a beautiful community in Baltimore. They have shows of 50 to 100 people. It depends on the night and you don't know the venue until the day of. So they're really exclusive and events for live music where they can be appreciated and heard. There's no cell phones, there's no talking, and it's really a, a haven for artists 
to share without any kind of hesitation. And we found a lot of freedom in that we always, always try out our our original music at so far, because we know it's going to be received with open ears. And there's not any kind of judgment, they want us to do well, and they they want to support us, which is just the coolest feeling to have that community in, in this city, but also to have that community in so many other cities in the country. Are there opportunities for you then to participate in so far elsewhere outside of Baltimore specifically? Yes, we've been talking about doing a New York so far show. Maybe not until all of this coronavirus dies down, (laughs) but we were in talks to do a show in New York and we would love to do that, especially since the group is eventually most likely going to move to New York or to, or to Los Angeles eventually when, when work picks up a lot more in those areas, just because the opportunities for live performances are are so much greater in both places. Not that we wouldn't be heartbroken to leave the Baltimore area. We love Baltimore. Yeah, I love the atmosphere of the live environment here in Baltimore and Washington, D.C., but it does become a challenge when you're trying to go full-time professional without, you know, I think mostly this community is either classical music, like symphonies and that kind of thing, classical choirs, or cover bands, (laughs) really. (laughs) And everything else in between is, is a little bit difficult to get out there. Well, people don't really know how to program acapella in general so often in in a general setting. Acapella does so well on its own yeah. within our mm-hmm. community, absolutely. But people just don't know where, where it goes. They We can't quite be a wedding band. You know, we can't, right. you can for right. the reception or something, but to have <laughs> six singers singing for two hours four hours or something and taking requests it doesn't it doesn't work that way yeah it's more for the special moment in your wedding uh which by the way we do (laughs) (laughs) which is really it's a super fun thing and I remember when my group first got asked to do a reception and we're like are you crazy (laughs) we can't do this uh we did one but it was a super small uh reception and they kind of mixed us in with the DJ back and forth but that was the only one that like ever made sense but the rest of the time we're like how about we do your ceremony and the cocktail hour. Does mm-hmm. that sound good? <laughs> That's always the best thing to do. And then the ceremony is always so special to be included in something like that. That's yeah. awesome. I know that original music is like a big focus for the group. And I wonder how do you mm-hmm. balance sort of your rep in terms of deciding how much original music to do, how much, uh, how many covers to do? Where's the line for you all? Absolutely. Well, our original music is it placed in a folder that we call passion music uh, and a lot of our covers too we love lots of obscure artists and things that might as well just be original music because if you sing them for an audience they're probably not going to know and we have that folder which it consists about half of our repertoire and then the other half is the money that we need to make in order to sing that passion repertoire and put it out and have it be of the quality that we know we expect from ourselves. Yeah. And we that's not to say, though, that we don't love singing our, our gig music and we don't love singing songs that everyone knows. Feel good songs will always 
feel good. But that's how we we separate things in order to keep ourselves on track. Because if we sort of let ourselves just write whatever we wanted, <laughs> we would end up with no music for our gigs. So <laughs> yeah, I wonder where the sweet spot is for you all in terms of percentage of like, I mean, maybe ideally, it's 100% of original music. But if that's not realistic, where do you think the realistic percentage lies? For a concert of ours, yeah. we like to do, we would love to do probably mostly covers about, I mean, well, <laughs> about 50% covers, I'd say, and then 50% original mm. would be the ideal for us. But what we end up doing is more like 70-30. Gotcha. For, it depends on the audience. It always depends on the totally. audience. Because if you're there and you're you're there with more, a, a crowd of 60 plus, you need to sing songs, at least a few songs that gets them interested, gets them hooked and lets them trust you to take them other musical places. Mm -hmm. And we did notice that you all, I watched you perform two years consecutively at Harmony Sweeps. And since I get to see the judges notes, I know that last year they gave you some comments to maybe pick some music that draws the audience in a little bit more. And I noticed that you all did that this year and you went from second place to first place. How did that feel as a group making that decision? And then also seeing the difference in the audience reaction. You know, even before the judges gave us those comments, we felt that mm. after our first competition. You know, we we saw the audience, we saw what the competition was about. We'd never been there. We we knew mm-hmm. that it was a traditional competition, but it was so nothing like any of the varsity vocals competitions we'd ever been to. And it was a learning experience for us, absolutely. Especially since it was one of our, our new tenor Lamont's uh, earliest shows with us. It was, right. I think, our third with him. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it felt so good to make that decision and know it was the right one and then have it come to fruition and feel that great. That stage is such a wonderful stage to perform on the Birchmere. And it, it's always so great to know that you've given your best and that someone mm-hmm. appreciates that. Absolutely. Yeah, that is a very interesting audience. And it's a it's a pretty unique venue. And I love I love that sweeps is there. It's uh, I think it's the perfect environment to kind of try things out and see what a like a general audience will feel. And I think I wish some more college groups would come because I think they would get a different perspective from yeah, the varsity vocals experience because it is a very different style of competition, even though on paper, it looks like a similar style. Yeah, the audience is different. The feel is different. The competition is different because of you're competing against all kinds of groups, not just other scholastic groups. Right. And the inclusion of barbershop is something to me that is so important for Harmony Sweeps. Because mm-hmm. there are so few places in contemporary acapella for barbershop to really be shine and, and put on display like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In contemporary acapella, that is. Yeah. And it's nice for me to watch the contemporary acapella groups like learn more about barbershop while they're there. And also, I feel like it makes the barbershop groups stretch a little bit. We saw two groups use individual mics, which is a huge thing for barbershop groups. They had the opportunity to use the regular condenser area style mics, and they chose to go microphone like individual microphones which I think the more these communities learn from each other the more crossover I think we're just going to see from all kinds from classical to contemporary to barbershop I think we're just going to see better artistry better creative work so it was nice to see that on that stage and to see you guys come out successful on top of it all thank you it was it was 
we had so much fun that performance. We're still talking about it. <laughs> I wonder, I would like to go back for a minute to some of the original music. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about your inspiration and how you come up. Like, is it one person sort of writes the song? Does it, is it a group effort ever? What's, how does that work? Well, each song ends up being a group effort in some way or another, but mostly the ideas for the whole pitch and everything of the song comes from one person and we have five writers in the group really only one doesn't write as much but every time she's given an arrangement you know she makes changes and ends up she ends up writing her own line anyway so just because you didn't have the idea doesn't mean you're not integral to the team absolutely you know but each of us, there's a bit of a scale and in difference in how much we all write. Me and Monty write the most of the group. Uh, we end up putting out the most rep for us to sing at our shows. And then Lauren, who wrote our original song at Harmony Sweeps this past competition, also writes, obviously. And then Michael is also dabbling in, in his writing, too. But... Oh, and Winston also is really prolific with all of our covers and and originals. But whenever I have an idea, the first thing I do is I send it to Winston and he writes a far better bass line than I could ever come up with. And then <laughs> I write the rest of the song. <laughs> uh, that's always how it works. And then I give it to Michael and he's like, what on earth do you want? And I'm just like, you come up yeah. with something. <laughs> That's your job. <laughs> yeah, we're going to sing it and you do the, the, the mic thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With so many of you writing, how is it that you find your sound as a group? Do you guys all have something in mind as your style or does it kind of morph into it or is it still kind of piecemeal? <laughs> well, it's really funny. That's a really funny question because we've had this really strange eclectic original sound we started with a for sure defined pop tinged and r&b sound and i think that was really a product of who was in the group at the time and what we thought we needed the group to be at the time and as the group has grown and as we've gotten monty who's one of our most prolific writers and having a new person changes everything about it totally <laughs> and so new ember is really i think half r&b and that realm of music and then we also sing a lot of folk because of me <laughs> <laughs> only because of me anything i write end up, ends up sounding at least folk poppy so that's what we end up finding but i think our sound is really defined by the warmth in our tone yeah. and that's really defined by lauren and monty's voices in my opinion we we all meld towards them and also Winston's. It's like this really beautiful bed of warm tones to sit on. Yeah. And Marcella and I just fit into that and add our own flair to things. So it's really its own its own sound at this point. But we're we're working on keeping it a little bit more uh, contained, especially <laughs> as we work on our original album, which needs to feel like a finished body of work yeah. from start to finish. Yeah. What is your coronavirus aside? <laughs> what are your plans for this original album? And when do you hope it might see some some outside exposure. Well, actually, I think the coronavirus is the perfect time to record. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because our jobs keep getting canceled. <laughs> A lot of us are teachers. And then some of us are in university. So, so I think we're now going to sit down and record as much as possible until we can't and have to be gigging. But right now, a lot of our performances, a lot of our gigs that were lined up are just not going to happen. So... Uh, we're going to take the time and 
record as much as we can. We want to release the album by the end of the summer, and we already have a few of the singles recorded, and we're working, starting to work with new mixing engineers. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I'm, I'm really excited that the group is as invested collectively in it as we are, and want to make sure that we take the time to make it perfect. Awesome. I can't wait to hear it. Anytime We're such proponents of original music. We love. Um, so please let us know, because we'll play it all over our Acaville for you. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly will. So I wonder, after recording, after this original album, what do you see in the future for Ember? What's what's after that? Well, after we record the album, we're definitely planning a tour to tour the album, hopefully. And I think what we'd love to do is do a West Coast tour. I'm based in, well, my family is based in LA and I'm from Los Angeles. So I just, I know all the people out there and it, it makes sense. And I, we think that the venues, the smaller live venues in, in Los Angeles would work well for us. So that's that's our immediate plan after that. But what we want to do, I think, is try to continue to work part-time at our jobs and then as soon as we can, um, make Ember a full-time uh, gig for us. Awesome. Well, we are so there for it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's good to have some support. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's just been such a pleasure to speak with you, Lisa. Thank you so much for spending some time. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. That was Lisa McNulty. Uh, She is director of Ember and also recent Peabody grad. On this segment of Vocal Perspective, first off, this is Rachel and this is Amanda with with us together. (laughs) Or, Or together apart. And I guess that's part of what our world has sort of become these days. Although we tend to do this frequently, to be together apart because we don't live in the same place. But what we wanted to talk to you about today are some of the ways that we are dealing with some of the stress and anxiety of having to be in this new world of together apart. So yeah. (laughs) So Amanda, what are you doing to manage your levels of stress and anxiety these days? So I mean, like you said, a lot of what the two of us do is work from home. So that wasn't a huge that wasn't a huge change for me. But I did used to make sure that I had lots of social engagement and prioritize rehearsals and things like that to stay active. But for the most part, I have been I've been making a schedule for myself a little bit more detailed than I usually do. Um, And I'm also splitting up my workday a little bit. So I do something that's a little more for me and less for my job. So I've added painting to my schedule. And I've gone back to my own piano practice. And I've gotten out some of my needlepoint. And so I put those throughout the day for about a half an hour, which has helped. It's, you know, when I'd normally take my breaks. And then I also am making sure that my son and I are sitting down and having lunch together because he's also home and homeschooling. So yes, shout out to all of the parents out there. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> we will all make it through this alive, I promise. And, um, <laughs> and if, there, if not, there's always alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then we always, tr- we try to get outside a little bit. So like yesterday, we went for a bike ride. We have a dog, so we have an excuse to go out and walk the dog. Dog is probably getting tired of walks at this point. But um, And then each night, I have a very large family and we're actually pretty far apart anyway. I don't don't live near any of my family. So maybe we'll continue this when it's all over. But we've been I know Netflix has a Netflix party, but we've just been doing it old school where we all just push play at the same time. And then we have a text thread. And most of what we're watching is like older movies. So like the special effects are kind of weird. The language is a little bit weird. So we just snark about the movie. So it's nice to have something to talk about that's not like the world is ending. 
Yeah. So what was the most recent film that you guys watched? We watched Indiana Jones and nobody jumped on my throat. I love Indiana Jones. I wore out the trilogy on VHS when I was a kid. But if you watch it now, the special effects are ridiculous. The patriarchy, the... Uh, I don't want to call it racism, but the generalizations they make of other cultures. There's a lot that's ridiculous through a viewpoint of today. So that's, I mean, and we've watched Space Jam, which I'd never seen before. And that qualifies for me as like what was in their pipe when they smoked it and wrote this script. And then we also watched Tremors, which is one of my all-time favorites. Kevin Bacon's finest work, I think. (laughs) I mean, I might find that with Footloose, but okay. (laughs) But again... Again, through the through the lens of 2020, Tremors, you know, which came out in 1990, is a little bit ridiculous. And uh, fun fact, my mom actually, my parents let me go to see that movie for my 10th birthday with all of my friends. And as we were watching it, we're like, Mom, all they do is curse in this movie and blow up things. <laughs> That's amazing. Thanks. To which she responded, Mom of the Year. So. Of course. <laughs> How about you, Rachel? How are you handling all of this? Yeah. So um, like you, I also work from home in my day job. And so being being relegated to home now is no different. The only difference for me is that now I have my small little people also around the same Your time. small little coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my coworkers who scream and yell. At the, in the middle of a conference call, which I guess is no different than the, like a regular office, perhaps, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so having them around, it, you know, I, before this, I often felt sort of relegated to my house because that's, I felt hemmed in in this small space. And now I feel hemmed in an even smaller space because I feel right. relegated to my nine by 12 inch office room because if I leave my room even I get inundated or overwhelmed with questions from my air quotes co-workers um, so, um, but one of the things that I found to do that really helps me is like you making an effort to get out every single day and whether that means that it's the middle of the day and I go for a walk or I go for a run or I make plans to meet with friends before the day starts and do a socially distanced run, meaning we run six feet apart from each other. And whoever's behind is the person who talks because the person in front can't, if they talk, you can't hear them. (laughs) Um, So it's a a little bit of a social distance running and I'll meet with one person or two people and do it that way to get in some opportunities to have interaction, personal interaction uh, that that isn't with a screen. Yeah. And we've noticed uh, yesterday, I took my son for a bike ride and we saw people out walking and they were clearly social distancing themselves, but they were talking and they were happy. And, you know, we were passing people on the sidewalk because I don't ride my bike in the street unless I have to. (laughs) Not around here anyway. But, you know, everybody sped apart. Everybody was following the rules. But, you know, I noticed everybody's saying hello to each other now. It's (laughs) It takes us to be, you know, desperate for human interaction. But it was really nice to like wave and smile and say hello to other people as we were out and staying a safe distance away from them. Totally. And I've seen a bunch of things that I feel like maybe I haven't done myself, but are things that I would like to do or maybe would suggest doing, which are if you can, if you're, you know, have the ability to do this, to meet in like a commuter parking lot or in a, in some other sort of big space where everybody can park far apart from each other and get out beach chairs or something else with beverage of your choice, a a snack of your choice, and you can be together 
socially distanced, but but not through a screen. It's a way to satisfy. I mean, the screens are great and it's a, a wonderful opportunity to connect with people that you can't. But if you have an opportunity to be t- more together and still be apart, yeah. um yeah, I would. yeah, I'd much prefer that. Like, I haven't really gotten into the like Zoom, like these virtual things. Like, yes, I've Facetimed with people, but it's not any more than I normally Facetime with people. I just can't. Zoom feels like a very work thing for me to do. Yeah. So I'd rather just wait. But I, you know, the option of meeting friends and sitting across the yard from each other—that's much more what I'd rather do. Otherwise, like. I'll just talk to you as normal. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I know this is really hard for extroverts. I am 50%. I am split directly down the middle, extrovert, introvert. So I can tap into that introvert side a little bit more right now, which is nice. And then when I feel like I need people, I send them a Facebook message or I text them. And I've had some really great text conversations. And I just, no offense to anybody out there, Zoom Hangouts, not really for me, and also virtual choirs. I love that everybody's being super creative, but I I want to make sure people are being creative because it's an outlet for them. Don't let it, don't make the purpose of your virtual choirs to go viral or to prove a point of how great your chorus is or how great your school choir is. Just do it to do it. Like seeing people like, how can we professionally record our kids at home? Don't put that stress on anyone. That's a lot of extra stress. You're all, you know, a lot of people are still working. You're still teaching. You don't have time to be editing and, and mixing this. Just put them put them on an acapella app and let them have fun. Let them do creative things. And don't, um, I'm not going to tell anybody what not to do, but I recommend not adding something that's going to add a whole lot of stress to your life. Be creative because it makes you feel good, not because you want perfection or you want attention. Just do it to make yourself feel good, to make people that know you feel good. Like I've been, I have friends that are like, Amanda, you sing. And I'm like, yeah, but I usually sing with a lot of people. And I don't know, I'm not necessarily good enough on a guitar or a piano to accompany myself. So, you know, but people are like, oh, but I really want to hear your voice. And I'm like, so I'll, I'll like sit and sing a verse and a chorus of a song and just send it to them because I don't need to be putting that on Facebook. I don't need to be, but it makes me feel good to sing. It makes them feel good to hear it. And nobody's stressed out either way. And maybe another idea for folks who are looking for something, a, a way to exercise their creativity is maybe to explore some of those single over over recordings that people do where they sing each part. They record themselves singing each part and they sing to themselves. This might be another way to, something to explore, an avenue to explore for yourself to continue your music. Well, stay safe, Rachel. It sounds like we'll be checking in like this quite a bit longer. So everyone out there, please stay safe. We hope that we're providing you with lots of entertainment options here at Occaville Radio, and we'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.